And welcome. I'm Fiora Lee Stranko. I'm Joe Figueres, and this is the Esoterics Podcast. Hi, Joe. How are you doing today? I am doing really well. It's cooler here today, so I threw on my jeans and a sweatshirt for this morning's walk with Hollis, and it was really lovely out there. There was some dude who had a little baby squirrel sitting on his shoe. Oh, no. And it was like his pet squirrel. Oh of course, God. Hollis immediately wanted to go into assassination mode. But um, I was like, that is so cool. I really wanted to go up and talk to him and find out the details. Oh. But that would be like, you know, swinging a T-bone steak in front of Hollis. So <laughs> I thought better of it. Oh, that's so cool. What about you? How are you doing? I'm just getting ready for my trip to Mexico. Are you excited? I am. I'm excited. I started packing. I'm, I'm pretty much done packing with my clothes and stuff. And I have to pack light, which is not. No? Not, not your thing? Not one of my, not one of my strongholds, no. <laughs> so. How long is it? A week. It's eight days. Oh, my gosh. Really? That's a long. What in the world are you going to be doing for eight days? Well, it's going to be uh, four ayahuasca ceremonies. Four? Yeah, and also going to go see like Chichen Itza and the different um, uh, Mayan sites out in the Yucatan. So, yeah, it's it's a, there's a lot. Uh, it's activity and also that. So. That's absolutely insane. What a life-changing trip that is going to be. Do, are you going to know anybody? Yeah. I mean, other than yes. the facilitator? Yes, yes, I, I do, I do. Uh, there's a couple of girls that I've been in ceremony with before that I, I'm going to get to spend time with again, which I love them. They're great people. So, yeah, I'm excited. This is really cool. Yeah. Yay, I'm excited yeah. for you. Yeah, and so we can do a recap when, when I get back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, what announcements do we have? Uh, okay, so the recording of the workshop for empaths is now available for purchase. So just send me an email to the wokakashic at gmail.com, just requesting the download link. And to get the process started, I'll send you my payment link and then um, I'll send you the link to download the workshop. Very cool. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> um, I really love the class. I think I thought the class was just so informative and empaths intuitives can really get a lot out of it thank you i love doing that class i love talking about it so um once i get sam card up and running i'm gonna i'm gonna re-record it and do it super professionally so uh, very nice people can get the super professional (laughs) (laughs) version um, just a reminder that the Wokakashic group has changed to the Esoterics group in order to be easier to find as our podcast audience grows. And so the link, the group is also linked to our podcast page on Facebook. So it's pretty easy to find. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, um, I also want to mention that yesterday, a member of our group, our community hosted a live crystal trunk show, and it was so much fun. It was, it was just really cool. It was long. It was like two hours too. Oh. Um, but I picked up a gorgeous blue tiger's eye tower. Um, I'm really excited to get it. 
Yeah. So that's very cool. It is very cool. Blue tiger's eye. I'm not a huge fan of regular tiger's eye. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I just don't love it. It's brown. You know what I mean? Uh Um, But blue tiger's eye and red tiger's eye, I go gaga over. They're beautiful. So, um, and they have the same properties typically. Yeah, they're very beautiful stones. Yeah. Um, So to get exclusive access to more events like this, I know that they're going to hold several more or they plan to hold them on the regular. Mm -hmm. Um, Be sure to join our Facebook community. The Esoterics Group. The Esoterics Group, yep. And our final reminder about our upcoming retreat, the Journey the Wild, a soul medicine retreat that is taking place November 5th through 7th, and it's taking place in Idlewild, California. You can get the full details on the event on our website, esotericspodcast.com. All right. What are we going to talk about today? Today we are talking about ancestral veneration. Ah, and tell everybody what veneration means. Definition of veneration is essentially just paying respect or honoring certain people. So specifically with ancestral veneration, you are honoring your ancestors. Okay. I love it. I just want to mention that this episode goes hand in hand with our episode five on ancestral healing. When in that episode, we talked a lot about ancestral healing and DNA and the science behind that, the science behind ancestral trauma. So if you want more information on that, please look back on that. That's episode five. Um, You can find our discussion on that. Um, But today I wanted to talk about ancestral veneration because I feel like this is something that's come up for a lot of people lately. Uh, it's something that become it becomes really important when you're getting started with your with your spiritual spiritual journey. It's really common for us to hear of like people who are like, oh, they work with deities or they work with saints or they work with so and so. And I I know for some of us when we get started, it's like that seems daunting or like how do you even do that or like you know right like what is it even. Um, you know, I have, I don't do ancestral work because I'm like, well, what does that even mean? And it doesn't jive with my science brain when it comes to reincarnation. So right. um, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. So the uh, idea though of ancestor veneration, some people have called it ancestor worship, but what I'm talking about today isn't categorized as ancestor worship. There, there are some people where this isn't going to jive with because you might have some like Christian indoctrination where some mm-hmm. Christians completely renounce the idea of talking to ancestors, communicating with ancestors and all that because it's like, why? Because of the idea of false idolatry. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. if if you're a person that feels that way, then this may not be for you and that's fine like no no judgment um but know that those of us that do practice ancestral veneration we aren't we aren't worshiping our ancestors we are just we're paying our respects to them we are remembering them um for me coming from more mesoamerican practices and the way that i was raised we we have we have dia de los muertos the day of the dead and the whole idea behind that is just maintaining the memory of of our ancestors and where we come from and the people that live their lives to to their extent in order for us to be here today. Right. And so we're just thanking them 
for everything that they did. There's this quote that some, it's like a shirt or something, says something about like, you are the personification of your ancestors' wildest dreams or something like that. To that extent, um, I, so I don't know whose who's quote that is. Yeah. So I'm sorry, but yeah. So I guess I don't understand how honoring your ancestors could be thought of as idolizing. Like honoring is, I mean, we honor veterans, we honor, you know, um, presidents with statues that don't always necessarily deserve them. Mm-hmm. I mean, honoring is done. You know, we honor our military, all of that stuff. So. I guess I don't understand the Christian ideology rationality, which I rarely do. Right, but. right. And I think it, it's because when we do this kind of work, we gener- we typically put up some kind of altar or, so, or dedicate some space in our home to them. So I think it's that, the fact that you go and you put a picture of them and maybe you light a candle for them sometimes, that that's like oh, that looks like something you'd do in a church for a saint or whatever. Mm-hmm. It looks demonic. <laughs> or whatever, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't, right? But again, of course, this is like overreach religion saying you can't do this and you can't do it this way. But don't tell us what to do. Don't tell <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to change the name of the podcast. Don't tell us what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the – um, the idea of ancestor reverence is the acknowledgement of your ancestors who have passed on. It's specifically the people in your bloodline. Um, you're not worshiping your ancestors because we're not they're not considered deity. But it is important for people, especially people of color who have been cut off from their ancestral line. If you think of right. like African-American people who were brought over and got completely disconnected from their African roots and I've noticed a lot that there's been a lot of information that comes out from African-American people like to to um, to do this work because of how important it is for them for their lives. Like to know that that there were these people who who had beautiful accomplishments and who are out there, you know, in another in another space, I guess you could say, um, looking over you and and looking out for you and offering you guidance. And it's that's yep. truly the core of it. And that's really why if anyone's called to do this, that's what you're doing is you are connecting with them and honoring them because they are there to guide you. So if you haven't yet found a deity that you necessarily connect with, or even if you have this still this still works with this but a lot of people say that you should work with your ancestors first before you work with any deities because your ancestors are people who you are connected to through your bloodline you don't have a stronger connection with anyone with a deity as as strong as you're going to have with your ancestors so yes that's beautiful. It, it, yeah, it really is. Um, one of the things is to to remember is that the the, the beliefs is that the our ancestors have the ability to open and close doors that you're either meant to walk through or not meant to walk through. Like again, they're protecting you. So like when you're not meant to do something, like your ancestors are there looking out for you. Like nope, that's don't go there. It, and a lot of times we're like, why can't I have this thing that I want, right? And then we say, trust the universe, trust the universe. Uh-huh. You know, this could also be trust trust the people that are looking out for you in spirit form. Yes, yes. Um, also, ancestral work like this can help to heal your family wounds um, within, you know, so whether it's um, 
unfortunately, I've seen a lot of sexual trauma that we experience as children was perpetrated by other family members. Like it's that's right. not uncommon. Um, no. So so doing this kind of ancestral work helps. You know, can help in that healing work. It can help with money issues, those like limiting beliefs, because you're again, all it is is a simple acknowledgement of the hardships that people in your bloodline could have gone through and recognizing like, oh, that's where I might carry that from. That's where I might carry that limiting belief from and then honoring it and letting it go. Yeah. Wonderful. One thing I wanted to want to mention though, because when we start getting into this and, and I just touched on that, uh, the trauma part of it, uh, that so, sometimes we can have problematic family members that we, you know, that sometimes, right, that we're like, um, yeah, I don't connect with them, or I don't, you do not have to connect with anyone that you don't want to, first of all. But also, not all elders become ancestors. Like some people are like, some people are just not chosen to be ancestors, you have to be chosen to be an ancestor. So typically, people who are chosen to be an ancestor are those who lived exemplary lives not not perfect because nobody's perfect we're still human but they live from a place of integrity and they weren't here to do harm or to be malicious because um they because if they lived a life that that way of you know trying to live their their values and being very uh, with high integrity they're elevating so as they've passed on from this life they've elevated into the next to be an ancestor. So a person who maybe was harmful or malicious, you know, they still got some learning to do. They're not going to make it to the ancestral plane. Okay. That is so cool. And my body is going crazy right now. My clairvoyance is going crazy. So as soon as you said that, I said to myself, I did not know that. And then my grandma showed herself to me. She shows herself as a spark, <sighs> just the spark of light, like a glimmer. Um, and then my crown tingled and then my legs went nuts oh my and God. because I was like, and I asked her, are you an ancestor? And she's like, oh, yes. yes. And so my whole body is tingling right now. It's crazy. All of my clear abilities are like, yes, yes. Oh. that's, that's awesome. I love that they're chosen that not everybody just gets to be an ancestor, right? Because why would I want crazy uncle Billy as my ancestor no. if he was abusive and you yeah. know, a, a general dick. Yeah, exactly. So no, so not, and not everyone in your family is going to be automatic ancestor. And generally, um, some of us are fortunate enough to have a, a person that we had some kind of relationship with, uh, whether it was for a brief period of time, but we felt like a strong connection to them. So it's almost like you inherently know who, who your ancestors are, who that, that guidance yeah. is provided from. Like for me, I, it's my dad my 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 dad I'm that's my dad I had him I had him in my life yeah. I was 20 21 years old when he passed but you know I had him for that that amount of time and he was a very wise person and he always always provided me with a lot of words of wisdom and a lot of guidance in his living life and so there's no yeah. reason for that to stop no if if anything it's probably deeper and broader yeah yeah yeah, so cool. And I always knew she was my guardian angel, quote unquote, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But this was just validation mm -hmm. that she's like, yeah, oh, God, that was cool. Yes, I love that. I love that so much. So when I was looking into the history of, of this, of ancestral veneration, it turns out that this is one of the oldest practices. And it is generally 
um, predominant in like most most cultures like most cultures have some form of ancestral veneration so this is worldwide um uh again you can't say that this only belongs to one culture because you can you will find ancestral veneration in pretty much every culture every culture every religion every culture yes yeah and it actually predates religion nice which yeah most good things do so freud actually theorized that ancestor worship was the original religion oh very cool because they've again they found evidence of it just throughout so but most scholars agree that ancestor veneration is common to all indigenous religions so so just just putting that out there that that's so not just indigenous religions, though, but also like um, European religions. Have you done yes. any? Did you oh, find any of anything oh, yeah. in your research? Yeah, it's it's cool. it's it's there. Like everyone's had it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because for indigenous people or people like pre again predating the Abrahamic religions and all that, the ancestors functioned as guides, as warriors, and as healers. They were there to be like the person to guide you before you had this idea of God, you had the idea of like, Oh, my grandmother or whoever is guiding me. So that's mm-hmm. on getting started on how to do this. One of the main things that is recommended is to set up an altar for them. And there's a lot of guidelines. I'm not going to call them rules because we don't do well with rules. <laughs> uh, um, so one of the main things about setting up an altar for your ancestors is if you already have an altar, like your personal altar space, you know, if you consider yourself a, a witch or or even if you don't, like I actually, like my mom's always had an altar and she was technically more like Catholic, I guess, but um mm-hmm we've always had some kind of altar in our house it's just there like even my my mother-in-law who's like she's she's pretty like christian i guess or catholic she has her her saint to saint francis i think is is her her saint and she always has a candle for him so mm-hmm. like we, we've always had these altar things but even if if this is new to you so whether if you have your personal altar which your personal altar is supposed to be from my understanding is an extension of yourself your ancestor altar can be should be separate from that because this is just your space to honor honor the ancestors so um first first guideline is to not have it in your bedroom if possible Uh, because when you're creating this space this is a space that their their energy is always going to be in so you may not want mm-hmm. to have it in your bedroom where there's other mm-hmm. stuff no. going on, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we don't need any ancestral voyeurs <laughs> in there. Yeah. So so maybe not not in not in your bedroom. Oh, however, let's say if you rent a room in a house and like that's literally all you have access to, you can maybe put it in a closet. Uh, okay. you can also make like a portable altar. So maybe if you have like a large shoe box or a large box of some kind, you can make a small altar in there and then, you know, just pop it out, you know, once a week when you do do a little bit of a practice with them and I'll, and I'll get into what that looks like. But if you are setting up an altar, here are some things that, that you can incorporate within that. And with, with the altar space, again, do what feels right for you. These again are just guidelines, and sometimes there's like too much stuff where you're just like, "That's a lot of stuff on there." So, pick and choose what feels right for you. What what resonates the most with you, and what do you think 
your ancestors would appreciate? Like, what are the things that they might like? So first, with setting up an altar is an altar cloth. This is the the base that goes down before you put anything on top of it. Um, Generally, it can be white or it can be a specific color if you want it to relate to the certain frequency or a chakra. Uh, It would be beautiful maybe to have a cloth that's personal to you. Maybe if uh, like a loved one made something for you, like maybe if you had like one of your grandma's doilies or something, like that would be really cool, I think, to incorporate in there. So that's that would be something good to to put down as your as your altar cloth. Um, And then candles. You can do seven day candles. You can do tea light candles. I'm actually going to talk at the end. I'm um, going to talk about uh, a small little practice you can do with a tea light that I actually learned from Erica Buenaflor. Anyway, candles. Candles are a good way because again, you're you're calling in the light. You are giving this to them as as an offering of love. Again, just be careful. There's no reason why you have to have a candle on all the time. Like you can do this just, you know, a certain time. And then when you're done with your prayer or meditation, um, you can, you can turn it off. Some people do food offerings to their ancestors. I've had people who they don't do whole food. They'll do like, um, in the morning when they make themselves a coffee, uh, they'll, make themselves their cup of coffee and then they'll put up a cup of coffee for their ancestors on the altar. On a special occasion, maybe you can do um, a small plate of food and you don't have to keep it up there for days. Some people say like, let it go into like, until it's stale or until it's not good anymore and then toss it out. But other people are like, no, I don't want to keep a plate of food in my house all the time. Put it up there for a couple hours and then you can, you know, nicely dispose of it. That's not going to fly at my house. Hollis will find it and he will decide it's for him. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. See, my, mm-hmm. I think my dogs might do that too. So I, I wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Or my bird would come up and be like, oh, what's this? So, so I could do like a piece of fruit or something. Yes, definitely. Like an apple or something for like sure. that. For sure. Yeah, definitely. And mm-hmm. and also if you had like um, maybe like I have a grandfather who liked to drink. Like if I wanted to like offer, you know some whiskey or some vodka or whatever. Um, again, specific to the ancestor, if you happen to know what they want, some ancestors like really like tobacco. So offer them a cigar. Like me personally, I don't do cigars, but right. I have to tell you, my uncle sort of popped in and my legs started tingling and he started laughing because my uncle loved wine. He actually passed because of drinking. Oh. Um, and he's like, wine? No wine is good. Yeah, you, you could do a little bit of wine. Put some there. So right. for you. Yeah. So food offerings can come in, in different shapes or sizes. Also like candy. There's something wrong with like a, I don't know, a piece of candy or something. It's funny. There's this mm-hmm. there's this TikTok and I, I'll send it to you. But um, if I can find it, I'll share it on the Esoterics Instagram page. And it's these girls and it's like talk, technically talking about the ancestors. And they're like, do you tell her to do her shadow work? Yes, yes, I told her. I sent her like three. I sent her three 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 threes and and uh and a bird and all this like i send her all these messages and anyway they're just talking and they're like oh yeah she's doing it she's doing her shadow work and then at the end one of them's eating a cookie and she's like where did you know i was like where did you get that cookie from she's like oh it was on the altar <laughs> it's so cute it's so funny it's not for you it's so funny i love it um you can also write um a written intention for them Um, whether that be something that maybe you want them to help you with. For example, this one girl was talking about how at the time when she started doing this, she was just living in a one-bedroom 
like studio and one of the things she wanted to petition them like hey I'm gonna offer you this space it's in my room for now but if you could maybe help me out and you know maybe I'll get my own place and then I'll offer you a whole you know other private more private space for just you and that happened so yeah so you can write your intentions um in whatever way you want them to help or if you are just you know just showing that you remember them that you love them um another thing that goes into most altars are a representation of the four elements um this can get as complex or as simple as you would like it to be again so with for earth you could do crystals you could do a flower or a plant or maybe some dirt from a sacred place water um you could just do like a water in a bowl it is recommended to always have a glass of fresh water uh on your ancestor altar so that they can have so that they can have that water um you, so you can put water in a bowl as an offering. You can add some drops of essential oils to it if you'd like. Um, something to represent air. Maybe some incense or a feather. I think that's generally it. Incense or feathers. I mean, I like, I'm an air sign and I, I feel like I'm always like, what represents air? <laughs> uh-huh. <All right. laughs> but, it doesn't... but I like... I like the feather and I like incense too. Mm-hmm. So um, I like all of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know... What else would represent air? Like a fan. A fan. <laughs> a fan. Put a fan up okay, there. I, you could do like a cool, like you have one of those cool like hand fans, I guess. Again, mm-hmm. though, now we're getting into like, that's a lot of stuff. So, you know, keep it to what right. what resonates with you. And then for fire, a candle. Candles are, candles. That's, that's easy. So easy. Yeah. Um, also, if you happen to have any um, pieces that belong to an ancestor, like some people would say like a knife or a machete, <laughs> if you need, like oh. <laughs> if you want some extra protection, like that's kind of cool. I don't think I have any weapons that belong to my, to my family. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but what about like a picture? Y- yes, definitely. When you are adding a picture of, of an ancestor onto the altar, make sure that you're not putting pictures of them with other like people who are alive. So if, like, oh, if you have a okay. picture of yourself with your grandma and you want to put them up there, I would not put the picture of you. Like maybe, maybe okay. crop it out, do something and, and only put ancestors who have passed on, on your altar. Um, you don't want to call that in. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'd like to stay alive. I like alive. to stay alive. I have stuff to do. Just yeah. I have shit to do. I'm busy. I'm busy. I don't have time today. <laughs> yes. Um, if, Generally, though, it's just about all about getting started. So let your intuition guide you on what you feel is best to create your altar. I have seen some very simple altars and I've seen some very complex. And I think it's just it's completely based off of you and what you like and what maybe your ancestors would have liked. Figure that out. If you don't really know where to start, maybe meditate on it. And see maybe what pops up for you and um, maybe some messages you might get for your altar. I love that process of building, you know, this, this, this little space that incorporates all the things that you love and figuring out ways to honor them and represent them. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I love that whole process yes, of it. Yeah. And then going back to where it's located, again, this is completely up to you. There are some, I know... 
there's a lot of us who are kind of in the closet about our spiritual practices. So we don't necessarily put everything out where when someone first walks in, they see it. And, but I also, I also have friends where like the altar is the first thing you see when you walk into the house. When you walk in their house. Very it's cool. It's up to you. It is. I, I know some people are like, oh, don't share pictures of your altar on social media and don't do this. Don't do that. And I'm like, again, that's a bunch of rules. I, I don't I, do what feels right for you. I, uh, no right. judgment. Just do what feels right for you. Well, we don't, we don't need to get into that because I'll start bitching about it for four days. You know, people, where do they come up with these things about what you can and can't do? You know, especially with free will being what it is. But again, I digress. Never mind. <laughs> um, the, the, no, the thing to remember, though, about the presence of having an altar in your home is that when you do this, this is going to be a, a permanent thing. Like this isn't something that we put up and then we in a few months decide, oh, no, I don't want to do it anymore. And then you just put it away. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't, right. Don't, don't piss off your ancestors. <laughs> Um, they they are providing a certain degree of protection on your house and everyone who lives in it when you start doing this so keep that in mind and so why would you want to take any protection away yeah it's because it's now it's not just your home it's also your ancestors home once once you start doing this and they're going to look after it and and you know help you keep an eye on things as well so why not you know, I love the idea of putting it in a box, not a shoe box, um, you know, unless that's what you have to do, right? I'm not going to slam no. that, obviously, but I have this beautiful, beautiful, ornate wooden box and I just put my incense in it. Um, but I think this would be a really cool thing um, so that when I did have like people over or whatever, I could just close mm-hmm. it so that all of the things within were safe. Yes. You know, um, I don't typically have kids in my house, so I wouldn't worry about kids. Yeah. But, you know, maybe these maybe this isn't something that I want everybody to, you know, be like, what is that? Cause I don't I don't like to explain stuff. Oh, mind your business. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think definitely that's a really great point you bring up about kids because kids are going to do it to be disrespectful or rude. But if you have like a really cool crystal and stuff, I know if I was little, I'd be like, oh, that's cute. Like, I'm going to go play with it. <laughs> right. They're nosy and they think anything they can touch is theirs to play yeah, with. Yeah. So, you know, if there's small kids in the house, put it up on a high shelf. It can be on a high shelf. There's nothing to say that it has to be. Well, okay. Some people say that certain with certain deities, like the the altar should be set at like a certain height. They don't like to be like so low. So everyone's different. But I think with like ancestral work, it can be like whatever fits your your life and if you need to put it up on a high shelf where children can't touch it that's ideal i think that that would be ideal for me also too like if you have incense and stuff and candles like i have very nosy kids my son loves to play with candles so like i have to keep sort of things away from him um because one time i found him just playing with the lighter and just like lighting on my mom's candles my mom has candles all over the place (laughs) and i'm like you can't do this i'm like you're good (laughs) this is how you light the house on fire (laughs) (laughs) do you want to burn down the house because this is how you burn down please stop so we had to like confiscate all the lighters (laughs) (laughs) you gotta keep an eye on him he's a potential little fire starter there (laughs) he's a witch (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it, again, it's it's up to you where you want to put. Those are just some ideas as far as uh, where I had another idea too. Um, if you have like an armoire or some kind of dresser or some kind of oh, cabinet yes. thing, that'd be cool too to like have it. You can open the doors and have it open, and then again, yes. people come over, just close it. So you know, that's an- another idea. That's actually a genius idea, and also beautiful and quite quite um, fashionable when it comes to you know finding a cool armoire. Yeah. Well, actually, when I when I designed my mother in law's kitchen, she used to have um, just like these like little knickknacks and stuff, including her saint, but other other stuff too. So when I designed the kitchen, I made sure to incorporate an open wall cabinet with no doors and just shelves, so that she can put her stuff in there. And nice. yeah, it worked out really well. So, also you can pre-plan things if you're remodeling. <laughs> okay, when you design my kitchen and my future home, we'll um, incorporate a little um, altar space that can be closed up for. Yes, yes, definitely. Yay, let's do this. So, if you do have it though, um, where wherever it is you choose to put it, it is good to have it in a space that you go to regularly. So that uh, whether it's maybe your office that you go into every day or I mean, even like if you have, like I said, like a closet, like if you have like a large walk in closet, you're probably going to you get dressed every day like you're going to go in there every day. Um, the the importance of that is um, doing it in a space that you pass by daily so that you can have regular access to it. So as you walk mm-hmm. by it, you can like look at them and honor them and and speak to them. Um, you don't have to do like a full on ritual or full on meditation each time. It's just that little bit of remembrance. I loved the like I love the movie Coco. I know like some people found some things that are problematic about it and, and all that, but I felt like the gist of it was spot on. The fact that it's the practice of remembering your ancestors and how important that is because if nobody remembers you you know like your your soul just passes on um i i just i just love that idea like my favorite holiday is dia de los muertos so i was like i love that movie when is that dia de los muertos is november 1st typically it's usually um the first sunday in november Okay, I love that. Well, can we learn about that um, in one of the November episodes or prior to? Yes, I think that's scheduled. Oh, it is. It's on the schedule, isn't it? It is on the schedule. We have that scheduled, yes. Okay, this is exciting. Oh, my gosh. These are great. These are such great um, guidelines because, um, you know, a lot of times – whenever you start to investigate or your hero, you need to set up an altar or, you know, altar, like you said, altars are, they're not specific to one sort of spiritual practice that they're, they're across the board, mm-hmm. but I've never technically had an altar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized I am a, I like little spaces, uh-huh on my desk where I put all my crystals and my, my little statues of Ganesha and incense and candles and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. So I actually have been sort of um, creating an altar space. I guess I just didn't even really know it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like I grew up with this stuff all the time. Like my dad would always put up a candle for a certain saint. My my parents have always been big on saints and guardian angels. Yeah. So I grew up with it all the time. Like whenever we'd go to the store, my mom would always buy candles. We have the the seven day, you know, the the long yeah. the seven day candles. Uh, we've always had those. Like I have one on my altar right now. Yeah, it's it's something that we've always had in our lives and I just never realized like oh there's like a rhyme and reason to this thing you know mm-hmm. it's just something that we do um but even like with it's I, I again we're just like with Catholicism I think it's funny because you walk into the church and there's the altar there and then there's all these little spaces in the Catholic churches where you can go and light a candle for a specific saint and so like the, the idea is always there like it's always mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 been there um, it's just a matter of how you wish to use it I really like the idea of ancestral veneration because it's so intentional and versus the idea of like a saint that although, I mean, I'm not discounting that you can have a, a personal relationship with with a saint or an angel, but somebody in your bloodline that you've actually like maybe knew at some point in your time or or like for me, by the time I met my great grandmother, my great grandmother's memory was just gone. She had just like complete Alzheimer's by that point, but she raised my dad like she was uh, my my grandparents Uh, his parents worked. So he was raised by his grandparents. And so I've always felt a very special connection to my great grandmother because she raised my dad. That's like, that's like a second grandmother. Uh, Even though I didn't really like, I get to get to really speak to her in the way of like the way I spoke to my grandmother. And it's, and it's interesting though, because my grandmother had an incredible memory. That woman knew like her husband's grandparents great grandparents names she knew all her uh, grandkids and their birthdays like and I'm like how do you keep all this information in your head right (laughs) she was just such a resource of so much information that she just like knew and I was I was always astonished like how do you know this like how do you remember this um so I so for it's funny because with for her like that's who I think of like when I have trouble remembering stuff I'm like grandma like help me (laughs) I call upon the power of grandma yes you know it's back in the day, because I am a child of the 80s, I went to school in the 80s. And back then when we had rotary phones, mm-hmm. you knew all your friends' telephone numbers. Right. I mean, 20, 30, some, sometimes more, to, all these numbers were memorized. Right. I Now, I don't memorize a number. You plug it in your phone and you're good to go. But um, it makes you go, well, how did I remember all of those numbers? yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's of course not as beautiful as memory as, as <laughs> having the memory of your children's birth dates and you know dates of importance as grandma. Yes, still. Yeah. So I want to go back to the seven day candle because those are actually really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and a friend of mine just it, it texted me, and then of course I texted you, um, the resident expert, and I was like, "How does she use this seven day candle? She wants to get a job." Now I remember using it years ago. Somebody told me you need to get you know this specific candle 
in this specific saint, you have to put water, food, and you cannot let it go out. It has to completely burn mm -hmm. out. So what I remember being told um, in order to, you know, get get the outcome, which was I wanted this one specific job, which I got, mm -hmm. um, you know, it was different than, you know, like now or today, uh -huh. you know, or what you said. But, um, but your way was so much more – it was simpler and it was easier. And honestly, watching that, having to keep an eye on that thing for seven days was not fun. <laughs> so the way that I was always taught um, or shown, I should say, by my parents was when you – Get the seven-day candle. So there are certain saints for certain things. Like there is, there's a patron saint for miracles. Yeah. And I believe that's San, uh, San Judas Tadeo, St. Judas. I think that's how you say it in English. Um, he's, he's a guy in green, I believe. I, I could be wrong. So like you get his candle and then you write the petition of what you're, what you want. Mm -hmm. And then you just fold it four times and then you put it underneath the candle and then you just light the candle and the candle itself is the offering right and and that's generally it my parents would always light the candle in the kitchen yeah and then at night they would put it in the sink oh just in case anything happens if it blows up or whatever yep. that way it's, it's in the sink and it can be contained um yeah uh, i've also i've personally also done it like in my my restroom in my bathroom mm -hmm. and then i'll put it in the bathtub overnight nice. Again, just to like safety precautions with candles because you got to be safe. Right, right. I put it on my stove. Um, yeah. Way back when because it, 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 you know, it was a stove, it, right? Yeah. Fire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there you go. So it's a little bit going to be more uh, hardy if, if anything happens. If it spills over and stuff, it's mm -hmm. not going to, you know, it's not probably not going to go anywhere. So it'll be fine. Um, so the thing that I wanted to end with, and the thing that I was telling you that I learned from Erica Buenaflor. So Erica Buenaflor is the author we had, author Curandera we had on the show um, a few episodes ago. She, she was the one that uh, talked about how not everybody is chosen to be an ancestor. And so she had us write a, um, a, a petition or an intention of what would, if we want to be an ancestor, what do we want to be remembered for? And so to write that out, like what, what do you want your family, what do you want your descendants to remember you for when they think of you as an ancestor? What what feelings, what emotions are you going to inspire in them? And write that out. And then you can just take a small, um, the little, the tea light. And then um, uh, an easy way to charge any candle that's already in like a holder, like a tea light or even like a seven day, a seven day candle. Take a couple drops of essential oil and put it on top uh, around around the wick and then you swirl around the wick um, in clockwise motion because that's like you're setting in the intention so as you're circling around the wick you're thinking of what your intention is like what do you want to be remembered for and you're you know you're saying just in your head you can say that loud however whatever is comfortable for you and then that's it you set it and then you light your candle put your petition under it and then let that burn out. I love that. That is really and that what a what an awesome um sort of ritual for any ceremony, any intention ceremony, any yes. full moon, new moon, seven day candle. I mean, very yeah. cool. Simple. Yes. Simple. Yes. I love it. Mm -hmm. 
All right. So that's it? Yes. That's what I had for Oh, what today. a fun episode this was. Um, I love this. So one of the reasons, well, I won't say one of the reasons because this was already in the works, but one of the reasons that I'm so excited about this is that, you know, when I saw um, a curandera recently, which we will get into in a future episode, um, one of the things that she told me was that I needed to honor my ancestors. Mm. And so I've been working with Fiora to, you know, get her knowledge on how do I set up my you know, my, um, place, my space, yeah. right. What do I do? How do I, what is an altar? I, you know, all of that stuff. And so I have, um, I have two spaces here in my office and, um, now I'm going to take this list of, uh, you know, with the, find an altar cloth and, you know, all of that stuff, written intentions. And I'm going to put that all to use, um, and do a meditation to connect with uh, my grandma. Cause obviously she showed <laughs> up and she's like, Hey, Hey. So my grandma and my uncle, Aww. both of them, which I've mentioned them yes. before because those are the two badass astral travelers. Yes. The, the Rosicrucian grandmother, right? Yes. Yeah. She, yes. The Rosicrucian princess <laughs> is what she was. I love so, that. So thank you. That was great. You're welcome. You have something for our closing vibe today. You know, I do. Um, I want to talk today a little bit about personal power, right? Because people are like, well, what does that mean? Um, You know, and really, when it all breaks down to personal power, it's if you feel comfortable in your own skin, Mm -hmm. if you feel, you know, um, that you you're okay with who you are mm-hmm. because we spend so much time worrying about how we come off. Right. right. And it's always after the fact, Oh, was I too bossy? Was I too, you know, yeah. matter of fact, was I not caring enough? Mm-hmm. But we spend so little time encouraging ourselves to spend the same amount of time being okay with who we are. Mm. Just just being okay to not worry about what we said or how we said it. Honestly, it's exhausting. Yeah. It is exhausting to constantly second guess yourself and worry about what you said. So I just wanted to talk about this a little bit because maybe switching the perspective a little bit. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is at the core of our souls, we're not assholes. We're not um, immoral, hateful, wicked. We're not evil or sinful, right? Um, We are not bad people and we are not wrong. And so how we express ourselves is specifically a product of our soul blueprint. Some people are very analytical, unemotional, and that's not a bad thing. That doesn't make them callous. It's that is the role that they signed up to play Uh, in this incarnation in order to take that information back and say, I've been caring. I've been an asshole. I've been, you know, um, unemotional. So at the end of the need for incarnation, Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I've been all these personality traits. So I can completely understand where, you know, the callous person is coming from as well as where the oversensitive person Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's a really good sort of mindset to start adopting when it comes to all of those challenging traits within yourself that you just want to say, if only I were more this or only I I wish I wasn't that. Regardless of who you are, even if you are a little bit callous and brash, you're more than good enough. You're good enough because maybe you're good enough for the intended purpose of your incarnation. Yeah. That's perfect and beautiful. And, you know, even if you don't feel like it sometimes. Um, now, here's here's another aspect of that. We 
why do people always feel like I have to be everybody's cup of tea? No. Okay. And it's me too. Mm. Like I struggled with mm-hmm. that. Well, as a as a as a healer or as a teacher or a spiritual, you know, whatever I am, um, I have to be, you know, loving and kind and patient and compassionate and all of those things. Okay. I have to be the person that I need to be for me. Because if I feel bad about who I am, then that's a problem, right? Yeah. But if there's somebody who's super oversensitive, who doesn't like the fact that I'm a little bit blunt, man, I can't do anything for you, sister. I mean, no. I, I can't help you. I can't, you know, I can mindfully try to be more sensitive with certain people because and then when I know that they're very sensitive, mm-hmm. but you know, God damn, we can't change who we are at the core for every fucking situation right. and person that comes into our life. Again, it's exhausting. Yeah. So you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. And the f- sooner that you learn that and make sure that you're your own cup of tea and you're living within the boundaries that you set for yourself. I like to be kind. I like to be gracious. I like to be compassionate, but only to a certain degree. Cause when I, I'm also impatient and I am, um, well, you know, I have other traits. <laughs> I Damn it. I need to integrate those <laughs> mindfully. Yeah. All right. So I would just tell people to close it out. I would say, you know, to focus on all of those people who don't jive with your vibe. Like, fuck that. That's you're just dishonoring all of those who do Mm. all of those who stand beside you and accept you fully and wholly, who encourage you, um, you know, within the very space that you inhabit as you are just being you, regardless of all of the things that you worry about being wrong. Or, right? So those are your people. Those, that's your tribe. Um, and you have your support system. So when you reach out to those people, you're going to get the validation that you need when you ask for it. Um, you know, and as humans, we all seek that support. So yeah, um, that's sort of what I wanted to talk about today, just because, you know, it seemed so, um, I get so much from people um, about how do I learn to stand in my power because there's so many imposter syndrome. Yeah. So much about imposter syndrome out there. Yeah. So. Yeah, there there is and it um I love that you talk about this cuz I was just talking to a friend about this about how sometimes when you're in a relationship with someone, especially a new relationship, and you feel like or sometimes you get told like that you're too much Mm-hmm. And what I said is like, you're never too much for the right person. Right. There's Ever. there's this meme that I saw too. And it was like, oh, you think I'm too much? Then go and find less. Right. <laughs> and that's like the perfect response. Like, okay. <laughs> right. I, you know, I mean, there's just, it goes back to women being told who they needed to be, you know, June Cleaver, Mm. you know, all of that stuff. And, um, you know, even men, men being told who they need to be, you need to be strong and you can't be, you can't show emotion Mm -hmm. and which is bullshit because men are empaths too. How many men, we don't know. I wish that we had a badge that we could pull out and say, these are all the past lives that I've had. And this is what, (laughs) you know, because I wonder how many big, strong, you know, suck it up. You know, don't be a big baby. How many big, strong men, quote unquote, big, strong, um, have actually been, you know, women in a past life, you know, that that struggled with sensitivity. Right. Yeah. You know, we just. And they're overcompensating in this life. 
Yes. You know, so one of the books that I um, read that I've read recently, bringing your soul to light, it was cool because um, it talked about past life regression, right? So people would go and they'd say in a past life, I was this. Um, And it's always about learn having to learn how to incorporate or embody a certain um, personality mm-hmm. so if, if if somebody comes back as a big strong you know imposing you know male the chances are and and I'm paraphrasing here that one of the things that they need to learn is to step outside of who they appear to others and the expectation, the societal expectations of who they are and actually embrace. And maybe they are somebody that, that is a healer or a nurse, or I don't know, you know what I mean? Yes. Something that is the opposite of what they appear. Yeah. But anyway, so that's um, be willing to, uh, you know, exercise that power, that personal power guys. And um, I hope you have a very powerful week. Yes. Thank you. That was great. All right, guys, you can find us on all the socials under Esoterics Podcast. Um, Be sure to join our Facebook community, the Esoterics Group, and you will hear firsthand about classes and events, um, as well as get some really cool intuitive development tips, card pulls, free meditations, which I haven't been doing, but I will start those back up in the fall as the weather gets colder. Mm. So um, keep an eye out for those Um, and a lot more. Yeah. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with someone. Sharing our episode links with your friends and family and social networks help us grow our audience. And we are super, super grateful. If you haven't done so already, please leave us a review on Apple podcast. And we really, really appreciate you. Uh, so much. And, and also, um, we love those reviews because they're going to get turned into testimonials that we'll share. So yes. yeah. Thank you for sharing space with us today. Um, Stay mystical, magical, and ready to do it again next week when we're going to talk about part two of the Akashic Records. Um, Fiora's going to ask all of the questions um, that have to do with past lives, karma, and soul contracts. So we're going to get into the really good stuff. Yes. More of the meat. Right. Right. Meat. Meat. Meat's good. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.